Is It Transphobic? will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. Hello, my name is Ashley Lauren Rogers. I am the creator and producer of the Is It Transphobic podcast. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. And today I'm being joined by... Me, Jonathan Alexandrados. I am here. I use they, them pronouns. And I'm slightly traumatized because we've seen <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, uh, yeah. This is, uh, this is a whole show. <laughs> this yeah. is a whole movie. Uh, so I'm curious, did you watch Mrs. Doubtfire when you were growing up? Like, is this a thing that you saw in the theaters or uh, like in VHS? So that's the scary thing. I watched it as a kid many, 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 many times. I loved this movie as, as a child and I have no idea why. I mean, well, I actually have given that some thought, so we can talk about that as we move on. But I rented it from Gemstone Video in Knoxville, Tennessee on VHS. I watched it on television whenever it was on television. Um, I, yeah, I, I remember seeing it multiple times. Um, not in the theaters, but because uh, I was 10 when it came out. But uh, later on, but only shortly later on, yeah, watched it, uh, watched it quite a bit. Yeah, I honestly, I'm not sure if I saw it in the theaters, but I definitely watched it a lot growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought it was like the funniest thing. Um, I loved it. I loved all of the characters. And so, yeah, it was very weird now having to sit down and say to myself, do I actually like this? <laughs> I mean, I'm really glad to hear you say that you also liked it. Like, I, it makes me feel like I was just watching this thing and I was just feeling just <laughs> so bad. I, I, I just, how could I have not seen mm. this? But I guess, you know, we were, we were young and uh, we missed a few things. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and it's an interesting thing now because now I'm, I was watching it and I kind of was bored. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even that it was, like, offensive or I was angry. I mean, you know, like, yes, it, it is in a lot of ways offensive. But at the same time, it's just like, man, the comedy just wasn't there. Literally, the comedy is man in a dress. Yes. And and I did not, I did not find myself laughing. And I really do absolutely remember, like, finding it hysterical once upon a time. But, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, that was the whole gig. Um as we dive into this movie, I had sort of a question just sort of starting off, which is um, when we refer to Mrs. Doubtfire, the character, mm -hmm. what pronouns should we use? I think because Mrs. Doubtfire is a character that is being portrayed by Robin Williams's character, Man, yeah, it's it's character and character. I think it's okay to refer to the character using she/her, but 
ultimately again like she is a character um and it's like man i think admittedly like i am okay with however we want to refer to to mrs doubtfire as a character uh do you have strong feelings one way or another you know it's it's weird because i feel like as i was talking about her Mm. i actually found myself using he him pronouns just because i was like no this is not like a this is not someone's actual identity this is Mm. a man who is absolutely um just in a in a costume and like but i but i mean i'm also like i'm open to like she her feels natural as well like for for mrs doubtfire so i'm i'm not sure well and and i think i think so much of it is that yeah let's let's state it very clearly this is not a a movie about someone who uh is learning to love themselves as a trans person this is a literal man in a dress who is deceiving his wife or his ex-wife to make sure that he has time with his children Right. He is literally everything that is just fucking abhorrent about. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I feel like Ricky mm-hmm. Gervais watched this and was like, that's my stance on trans stuff. And I'm yeah. like, no, that's that's not OK. Um, I feel like lots of transphobia is sort of based around uh, this exact idea it's like did everybody just watch mrs doubtfire and go oh yeah that's how transness works because Mm -hmm. it's not at all how how it works i mean it's it's so far it's insulting i mean it's it's this idea that um it's all people who are just trying to infiltrate and be sneaky to to like serve some other goal that has nothing to do with personal identity that's awful yeah well let me let me ask this let's kind of shift it a little bit so we know like i think i'm comfortable kind of referring to mrs doubtfire because mrs doubtfire is a character becomes a character that robin williams's character what's his name we don't even know (laughs) billy batson uh (laughs) we we like billy batson uh like uh what's his butt uh creates and then kind of stumbles his way into creating a children's show with that character so the character lives on right but it it is a thing that like so you know like i I, i'm fine with whatever pronouns we want to use for mrs doubtfire um that said (laughs) (laughs) is there a world where a man in a dress this idea like first off let's define that what is the man in a dress trope like what is that i think well, that's a really good question. I mean, I think that mm-hmm. it's it's because it's certainly something that was quote unquote funny or used for humor prior to Mrs. Doubtfire. Like Mrs. Mm-hmm. Doubtfire did not invent that. I mean, you know, the reason we're supposed to laugh at Corporal Klinger is because it's a quote man in a dress. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what? Because it because it, it's also not drag either. Like especially not in this context i I think like because drag is not uh like when it's drag people are in on the fact that it's drag like Mm -hmm. this is specifically to achieve um an end that depends on certain parties not finding out that this is a man in a dress Mm -hmm. so what is the man in dress I, i mean i think 
whenever it started and i don't know when it mm. when it started if it goes back to ancient greeks playing with gender i don't know but um initially i'm sure it's something we're meant to sort of laugh at and then mrs doubtfire takes that and is like okay we can still laugh at it but there's a really like quote unquote wholesome uh idea behind it which is it's just a dad who wants his kids back and that makes it more awful <laughs> Yeah, actually, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so much of this, uh, the idea of the man in a dress as a as a trope, as a thing that people go to both for like specifically for comedy is reliant on the fact that the man doesn't want to be in a dress and that he's doing it for a reason as opposed to just wanting to wear a dress like I, I want to affirm if men want to wear dresses. Yes, please do. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. Create more media where straight cis men just wear dresses great yeah. star trek the next generation did that for a little while i know they've got yeah. that unisex like all of their clothing is unisex yeah um but it is a thing where and this has been like it's almost ageless this idea of deriving comedy from the idea that that is a man that is a man wearing a dress and that therefore is funny mm. and yeah I, i'm here for comedy that is inclusive of men who want to wear dresses and i am very against the idea that um like we should in some way say like oh man wearing a dress is just bad because it's mm -hmm. like no that's how a lot of like that's how a lot of early trans folk like myself included kind of experimented and figured it out is like oh okay like yeah this this is actually kind of great i i like this this is me and then you learn from there and then you figure things out so i i more than anything else, I wanted to go on this tangent to make sure that we're sort of stating just because a man is wearing a dress does not mean it's funny, does not mean that it's bad, does not mean that they are less than in any way, shape, or form. And I think that's where a lot of that man in a dress humor comes from. Yeah, you're super, super, super right. And as we're talking about it, I mean, I'll just say that as a child, like trying on my mom's dresses was really important for me to do. And for me, it was about like feeling the clothing and, and feeling the, the feeling of, you know, this, this uh, object that I wasn't supposed to really identify with, but yet I, I did. Um, I, I mean, that, that was really, really important to my development. So, so absolutely. I'm a hundred percent with you there. Um, I, I think that when we talk about the man in a dress gag, as opposed to men in dresses, which can have a variety of, uh, significances, uh, but the man in a dress gag being a joke, um, I think actually has more to do. I mean, it's certainly transphobic, but it has to do with also just viewing women and feminine things as less than because mm -hmm. I feel like in addition to being transphobic, Mrs. Doubtfire, the movie is heavily sexist. I mean, yeah. we don't even get to the dress part until a, a ways in that actually surprised me how long it took us to get to that dress because up until then, every woman we meet is like frigid or like not fun or just somehow neglectful of family and love and you know the only the only women who are a little bit outside of that are the two female kids 
Mm. Um, but even the older of the two is having moments where she's starting to like, you know, be a little colder and, and like, it's, it, mm. it's really, this, this movie has a huge, like woman respect problem, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I think just the idea of character in general in this movie, it almost feels like they didn't know what they wanted from the characters, who the characters were, and in some ways, like, it, it actually, in some ways it kind of worked because I didn't ever fully hate the mother, hate Pierce Brosnan even, mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of things that, like, by the end it's like, yeah, these two characters spoilers for mrs doubtfire uh <laughs> robin williams and his ex-wife shouldn't get back together right at yeah. all at all and... like she's right <laughs> everything she says is right yeah like he's been terrible <laughs> and the only thing mrs doubtfire proves when he puts on the mrs doubtfire outfit is that he knew all along what to do in mm -hmm. order to keep this this family together like as soon as you put on the mrs doubtfire thing he's like oh i guess i should cook healthy food and like you could have done that before mm -hmm. it's like you could have easily opened up a cookbook buddy yes like because you did it <laughs> mm-hmm <laughs> <laughs> uh. and like so she almost switches immediately the second that they are divorced and she's there to pick up the kids and yes she dropped them off an hour late and she's there an hour early and she's having a hard time because you know she's still like the two of them are both getting to understand this whole like all right well we got to do a bunch of other like it it upended both of their lives in a lot of ways right. but she is just this unrepentant just like oh are they why aren't they ready yet come on come on oh this place looks nice it's just like yeah. man fuck you i get it you know i get it like i've never gone through a divorce i don't know what it's like i don't know how the relationships like i it's not a thing i have felt myself but at the same time it's just like wow the the producers really wanted us to immediately like understand at first and then hate her and then kind of like ultimately we had to get on board with the idea that this man is tricking this woman into hiring him to watch their kids because she didn't want him around at all in her life <laughs> right right exactly and and it, what's interesting about miranda her name is and i didn't thank know that you off the top i did not head, know that. <laughs> i just decided i would google it while while you were talking um so i have all the names now it's uh apparently robin williams is uh daniel <laughs> hillard which i mean these are things that i had totally forgotten and i watched this last night um so miranda at the beginning of the movie is mm -hmm. uh, we're meant to think that she's um doing very well at her job. Uh, it's a corporate job and she's doing very well at it. Um, she mm -hmm. dresses actually in ways that are traditionally construed as masculine. She has kind mm -hmm. of the blazer and the collared shirt and the, the slacks. By the end of the film, she's much more back in her traditionally feminine attire in a traditionally feminine ro role, it seems. Like huh. now I've given up on the job thing. I realize what's really important and it's let me fill in this. Let me let me go back to this role that I was meant for because now I understand I was meant for it. So for her, like huh. the, if we want to even call it like subconscious, I don't know, gender play or whatever, um, that's, that's bad because that took her away from motherhood. But for Robin Williams, conscious gender play is just necessary because the world is so hard on him 
as a shitty father that he has to, you know, go to this extent to to just be like goofy and adorable and get his kids back. Hmm. Um, huh. Like there's because I, I took note of it. There was actually a joke that I thought was actually very transgressive. That was just such a throwaway joke that nobody, myself included, remembered yeah. where she's drinking a cappuccino and she's waiting for Pierce Brosnan. Uh, the first time we see Pierce Brosnan, and she's got a little milk mustache. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just you talking about her in this like what we would look at as masculine attire mm-hmm. uh, for business. It's just like, oh yeah, no, they really like as much as they played up. Oh, it's a man in dress. They also did play up a lot of these like roles for her in a more subtle way, and I don't think that that was completely intentional i don't know that they actually i don't know that i want to give the movie that much credit to say like oh you were like oh she's even got a mustache now ha 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 right but like which honestly if they did and they leaned into and she just kept drinking things and getting a mustache Uh i i kind of i think i would have been into (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean because at the end of the day like she's kind of who i'm rooting for like i'm not really rooting for for uh dillard or is it Dillard? Hillard, I think. Hillard, what, thank what's you. His Dillard. Name? Yeah. Dillard's is a department store. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm always rooting for Dillard's, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it's hard out there for malls. Anyway. Yeah, uh, um, yeah it's it's um it's true. I I I feel like I guess I don't I'm I'm struggling with, with sort of the ultimate message behind that because it yeah. seemed like there were moments where this this movie very much wants to to show that like the natural course of events if you do it right will take you into your traditional gender role because mm-hmm. mrs doubtfire it is very clear this whole movie depends on us knowing that is not where daniel hillard is supposed to be um, except, although at the end, I mean, he does find success on the TV show as her, but which is kind of an interesting wrench in that. Um, but, but like, even when referring to the two, um, Hillard's brother, uh, played by Harvey Firestein mm. and his partner. Which, which, let me say. Yeah. Harvey Firestein is the right choice, but an interesting choice as well, because <laughs> yes. it's like, you know, if you know Harvey Firestein, if you know New York theater, you know, absolutely <laughs> like he's a gay icon, he's a queer icon. So it's a guess. Okay, absolutely. He is. But at the same time, like he gives off an energy that is very not what you expect from a stereotypical gay man. Right. And so they pair him up with a very like femme partner. <laughs> yes. Who they refer to as Aunt Jack. Right. Yes, so, I mean, they, that's right. <laughs> they use that um, for him, um, mm-hmm. which struck me as interesting because at, at one in one way it's gender play, but in mm-hmm. another way it's sexuality wise. It keeps it like homo or heterosexual, uh, which is strange because of course it's not. You yeah. Know? <laughs> because it's not heterosexual. Not right. St- yeah. Yeah. Because it's yeah. not heterosexual. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this was, I'm not going to, I am never, ever, ever again going to make the distinction of like the, the, uh, the defense of like, oh, it was over time. But at no. the same time, like, yeah, that was a thing that movies were saying in the nineties was this idea of like, oh, they're just like straight couples. And it's like, yes. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I felt exactly the same way about that. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, 
It's as if, and yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire is not the only text to do this of the 90s to sort of say to cishet people, you see, like, gay people are, they're totally safe. And not, but not only are they safe, but they're, they're also not people who are going to take center stage. So don't worry. Like, the, the star is still, like, very hetero, mm-hmm. um, even when doing, you know, something that one might perceive as queer. Um, that's that star is still in the it is in pursuit of heterosexuality. Don't worry about that, um, which is uh, makes me very uncomfortable. This whole yeah. thing, I will say, Harvey Firestein had, uh, and it was more just him and his reaction got one of the only real big laughs out of me this rewatch yeah which is when jack comes to them and says i need you to make me a woman and they just embrace him yes. and it's just like actually i kind of love that like... my favorite line was in that moment where where uh robin williams is going through the that like horrendous uh you know the the horrendous like impressions that he's doing and uh at the end he asks for uh he asked for Joan Collins, and he's just like, I don't think I have the energy. And I'm like, that's... <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, like that, there were moments like that. I, I do wonder for some of that stuff how much of it was improv. I don't mm. I don't know. Um, but uh... I feel like especially like that moment, like there are a couple that I think that they just said like, hey, we're going to either dress you up a certain way and then we're going to let you go. Or uh, like that one in the the moment when he's at um, the was it the bank? No, the, uh, the 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 job place, the place to get a job. And like he's working oh, yeah. with a social worker mm-hmm. um, and he's just riffing. And yes. specifically the way it's cut, the way it moves, like there's there's a certain energy you can tell that a director will allow actors to just riff yeah. and like, yeah. And I, I do. Mean, yeah. Right. <laughs> Christopher yeah. Columbus has directed these kinds of movies before. Like he'd yeah. direct these kinds of movies after sort of these, these like mass market comedies. And I think he's probably accustomed to being like, Oh, you're Robin Williams. Yeah. Just let's do 60 takes of you doing random impressions and we'll use mm-hmm. 10 of them. It's like, just get like two or three good takes of the stuff that's written and then you, you just do your thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly. Which, I mean, in those impressions, like we should also talk about how like some of them are rather racist, I would say. like in Did the era, not age well. No, 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 no. <laughs> it really doesn't. Like just the that moment where I think the first the first costume um, Frank, his brother, and Jack put him in. Oh, is God. The, yep. I, I guess she's Latina. Um, and I, yeah, like, I don't know if that's supposed to be making fun of a specific person. Right. But, ooh, yeah. that is not a person Robin Williams should be imitating. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, so, so, I mean, I guess, mm. like, if there is, if there is, like, Silver lining, and I mean the word silver lining in the most gallows humor of ways, Mm. uh, it is that this movie also gets to be sexist and racist. So uh, (laughs) it's really kind of everything. And homophobic in in its ways, even though, I mean, it does portray a gay couple. This is true. Yeah. I mean, it... Man, this this movie. Um, So... 
I tell you what, we're reaching the point where it's a good idea to take an ad break. So we're going to take a quick ad break. And then when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about, we'll, we'll go a little bit deeper into the movie as well, uh, talk about some other moments that we enjoyed. But we're also going to talk about the potential worries that we might have about the Broadway show coming up. Ugh. So enjoy this ad. Setbacks happen. We all experience failure, loss, and missteps. Life, however, is not judged based on your failures or your successes, but how you move forward. Fail fast, fail forward. Truth in business as well as life. That's why our CEO, Pat Riarchi, is excited to announce this new venture, Riarchi Soft LLC. Not just a tech company, but the tech company. What does Riarchi Soft LLC do? What doesn't it do? We know you have a paradox of choice when it comes to apps you download and even ones you develop. Well, RearchySoft LLC wants to unlock your potential so you can achieve the goals you set out to achieve, then quadruple it. RearchySoft LLC is more than an app development company. We're the people in your neighborhood, the craftsmen, the teachers, the baristas. RearchySoft LLC, unlock your life's potential. Scowl Laddermageddon, March 26th through 28th at the Tank. Go to scowlfight.com for info on how to make a tax-deductible donation through Fractured Atlas. That's S-C-O-W-L-F-I-G-H-T dot com. Scowlfight.com. And we're back. So, okay. Um... <laughs> The one mm-hmm. thing I get because because you're you mentioned before the ad break the the sort of going into going deeper into the film and also talking about some of the other stuff around it like this this proposed musical I mm. the one thing that struck me that I did not know from just the opening credits of the film is that this was a book before it was a movie I I didn't even look into that okay yeah so I, I have the mm-hmm. Wikipedia page up uh, and apparently the <laughs> book was called Madame Doubtfire uh, known as alias Madame Doubtfire it's written by Anne Fine who's English uh, and the plot of it seems to be basically the same it was written mm. in 1987 uh, it received the Guardian Children's Fiction Prize and the Whitbread Children's Book Award uh which I, I don't know anything about either of those um the p- basic plot of it seems to be the same um and yeah the writer is Anne fine i don't know much about what she's done it's just sort of huh so yeah i mean i guess the one takeaway from that that's kind of interesting is that it was a kids book and mm. Uh, we can probably talk about the um, deep flaws and kind of that. <laughs> <laughs> by by that you mean um, the the idea of a story like this being pretty much intended for children? Or... Yeah, like being okay. like a mm-hmm. let's teach kids from a young age that if a guy is dressing in a, a dress, then uh, we should it's it's for humor and we should make fun of him, mm. and uh, it's got to be for nefarious means. Yeah, I mean, and that that also dates back. I know I, I just shared something earlier talking about like uh, there there was something going around 
that had Billy Porter, Lil Nas X, uh, Billie Eilish, and a couple of other folks that are just in these amazing outfits for the Grammys. And it says, like, why does it look like every Grammy winner and every Grammy attendee looks like they're going to uh, be, like, the next Batman villain? And Mm. someone responded with, well, it's because we grew up on media showing that all evil people are queer-coded. Yep. And... You know, so it is one of those things where there's a lot of bias. And even during this period, uh, there there was a lot of bias in that way where it's like, if we're going to show this, we've got to show uh, this character doesn't want to be in a dress. We've got to show that this character doesn't belong in a dress, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if I actually, I think I moved into a, a completely different topic, but... Well, I, and I mean, yeah. it's one worth exploring because, I mean, mm. certainly, certainly transphobia in in villains in comics well not not them being necessarily outrightly transphobic but like that that sort of trope of hmm. the feminization or or transization of villains in in comics and and how detrimental that is uh to actual trans people uh that's a that is a topic like that is worth exploring on its own i mean that goes back to the joker i mean certainly even hmm. before that but um uh, We're calling fun. you out, Joaquin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still haven't seen that movie, but like, even going back to the, the Joker's first appearance in comics, like mm. his whole thing is like he's not a muscular villain. Like he's he does do feminine things. Like he, the villain in um, I mean, this is a whole other thing, but like the villain in in yeah. um, uh, the Maltese Falcon is is yeah, yep. In many ways. So I mean, like mm-hmm. this is all part of say, that is because yeah. for all media and just like to just to put it out there and. I, th- I think we talked about it during our Psycho episode. Pretty much for all media, if you're going to show a queer-coded person, you can't show them in a relationship, and this is for a very long time in most media, uh, you, could, you couldn't show them in a relationship, and you could only show them as a villain. So that this was a thing that it was specifically looked at by people as, oh, this is a, a mark of villainy, mm-hmm. this queerness, this femininity in men. Um, right. So yeah. the humor of Mrs. Doubtfire then comes from um, Robin Williams being like, "No, no, but I'm not a villain. I'm not doing something bad, even though you're you're sort of coded to believe I mm. I am, even though he is absolutely the bad guy well, in yes. every situation in this." <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yes, you know, you're supposed to feel for him, but he is absolutely wrong every in this movie. He <laughs> totally is. I he, want him to fail. Take away his fucking kids. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, and and like exactly like he. It was obvious that like he was terrible from before the whole divorce. It's like when you when your kid has a birthday, which is the opening sort of mm-hmm. thing of the film. And you decide, like, instead of just getting a cake and some presents, you, like, literally are just going to, without consulting your wife, bring home, like, what what she rightly calls the zoo. Because he (laughs) brings a bunch of animals and, and, like, really messes up the place. Um, That's a problem. Like, that's a legit problem. She's right to be upset about that. Um, And so... I, I just that that whole moment, because that's the moment in the film that ultimately spurs on her saying, I want a divorce, mm-hmm. um, which also strikes me as a little unbelievable in the sense that, like, 
it's probably not just that one moment. I would imagine if this mm -hmm. is indicative of his behavior, there's been a bunch of these things, and this is probably the latest thing. And uh, so it's it's probably not just because the birthday party went this way, but because he's just been this class A fuck up. <laughs> and she like she never states anything specific, and I think that's because if we as an audience hear a laundry list of all the bad things that he's done i think that even then like a lot of people will give a man the benefit of the doubt mm -hmm. so even if we did hear that it would be fine but i think a lot of other people in the audience would be like oh yeah maybe maybe this is indicative of other behavior but we it's it's again this movie doesn't this movie does a very good job of almost like i don't want to go as far as to say it gaslights you <laughs> but it tells you certain information so that you feel a certain way but that I, you don't feel completely that way and so when they do take a u-turn and they do make the character a completely different like pretty much almost out of nowhere mm -hmm. character shift it doesn't feel completely out of character it's just sort of like oh, okay and i actually would go as far as to say there's a bit of gaslighting going on specifically in the scene where robin williams before he invents the disguise method of doing this um, has his kids over to the apartment that he's rented. And it's, it, it looks kind of not great. And mm. they're all sitting around the table, like eating dinner and mom has showed up what he says an hour early and the kids they're, they're starting to get up. And like the way in which he kind of yells at them in that moment is really unset it was unsettling for me yeah. but the movie kind of doesn't really want us to remember that i mean what he says is you're my kids too god damn it and i'm just like oh okay uh mm -hmm. but then like only a, only minutes later um when the mom comes in it's sort of played for a little bit of a joke and then um we get to see how excited these kids are at spending more time with dad as yeah. if that moment just wasn't as emotionally violent as it was. And I, I get the intent that he's just very passionate. He's very upset. This is a thing that's like things are happening and he's reaching a boiling point. And honestly, I forgot how, I don't want to say how well, but how, yeah, I'll say how well, how well it does pepper in a lot of dramatic moments in the beginning mm -hmm. as much as there's absurd humor and it's he's he's hiring the entire barnyard to come mm -hmm. out and they're like and like it's ridiculous weird homer simpson moments mm -hmm. there's also a lot of these moments of just real sadness and real like you really do feel for both parents in yeah. a lot of different ways and it is interesting it's just then he specifically tricks his ex-wife right. into hiring him right. Right. as their fucking nanny. Which I also like that, I mean, and by like, I mean, I am further traumatized by <laughs> the fact that he feels this must mean he needs to gender flip or gender yeah. play. Because it's like, well, there can't be a male nanny. <laughs> like, so <laughs> gotta invent a woman to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and... Not only one, like 12. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> and... Right. Just, and I'm sorry that I'm kind of like jumping on, no, on you. There's, there is a, like, I went into this. I really want people listening to understand. I went into this wanting to love this movie all over again. Wanting to come out the other side and say, you know what? It wasn't that bad, y'all. It could have been a lot worse. And it's just, then 
I think the second phone call he makes, because he's he's basically like amping her up to think that there's no good choices so that when he comes up with the good choice, she picks that choice. But at one point he says, hold on, I wrote it down, so I'm going to go find it. This is humorous. Nope, we've moved beyond there. I'm so close. Oh, here we go. There, he's like, oh, tell me about the children. Oh, you have, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I don't work with the males because I used to be one. Right. And uh, then the sound of disgust from the wife as well. I know. It's just. That, that was the first moment I think in this movement, in this movie where my heart truly like shattered, like, because it, it had been breaking as I had been watching this. But then when it came to that, it, it became really, really clear that this movie is setting up a boundary and it's saying on this side of the boundary is fun gender play. On the other side of that is actual trans people who are disgusting in the eyes mm-hmm. of this movie. And I hate that. Mm-hmm. And I do know many trans people in the in various forms of uh caring of youth like whether they be nannies or whether they be teachers whether they be and it's just man i did not like ah uh, i didn't sign up for this no. I, I mean i did i signed you up for it too <laughs> yeah but, thanks like, for that <laughs> you're welcome anytime <laughs> <laughs> you really want to hate life watch the curse of the queer wolf um, <laughs> i know i should have just watched a bunch of she-ra like we were originally gonna do <laughs> i pitched you she-ra you could have had she-ra alexandratus ah <laughs> uh, it's my biggest regret <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah like so there's there are a lot of moments of that and then the other thing i the other big thing i want to talk about is the use of music yes Yes, please. Let's talk about that. There is no subtlety in this soundtrack. <laughs> nope. It is like uh, the ones that I wrote down. And there are some that I didn't even write down because I just and I, I mentioned this to you earlier off uh, off mic. I just at a certain point, I stopped taking notes and just played a video game while it was on because I was just <laughs> done. I was just like, all right. Very like, smart, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. If, if you want to really watch. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire, just play The Messenger. Yeah. It's a great game. Do yeah. literally it has anything nothing else. to do. <laughs> nothing to do with Mrs. Doubtfire, but it's just like, yeah, no, I just want people to play The Messenger. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so Luck Be a Lady tonight is mm-hmm. one that I uh, I wrote down. Uh, dude looks like a lady. So that one is the one that, like, re- like I was just like, oh, you're just mm-hmm. really going for it. Okay. Um, it, I actually looked up the origins of that song uh after which is also pretty horrific i mean i'm almost certain of it (laughs) you know it's it's that it's that steven tyler of aerosmith thought that the lead singer of motley Crue was a woman at a bar uh and then when he turned out to be the lead singer of motley Crue, decided to write a song about like that sort of not great and you know like it's it's honestly that era of heavy metal and music like not aerosmith with motley Crue, uh is fascinating because there is that like whole subgenre of folks that are like manly men who wore makeup and did a bunch of other things and were sort of like embracing femininity in a weird way but were also oddly misogynistic right um but yeah we're not talking about that we're talking about mrs right. duff <laughs> <laughs> uh, papa's got a brand new bag is another one like there were a couple that i was just like i'm actually really impressed by this <laughs> like 
They literally found really, before the like... era of Google any song that mentions gender really <laughs> at all, and uh, just figured let's jam it in. That's that's fine. I was half expecting, and I don't know if it came out before the song or if it came out after the song, but I was just like, all right, when's man? I feel like a woman coming. Mm. I know it's I know it's there. It's just like, mm-hmm. ooh. Um, yes. Oh, the other the other big note that I wrote down was uh, when they meet Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, the son, I forget his name, but uh, boy child, uh, yeah. he says, geez, you're big for a lady. You could play for the 49ers. Right. <laughs> and it's just like, uh-huh, of course. Yeah. And then she yeah. invents that thing about, oh, well, I did play European football. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Oh, soccer. Do you know soccer? Right. <laughs> uh-huh um right i mean ugh. that and um he's oh oh oh. there's this one moment and it's equal parts brilliant as it is fucking stupid yeah. uh is when the social worker comes home sees mrs doubtfire uh and is essentially like and she goes and mrs doubtfire goes like Oh yes, my uh, my brother Daniel. I I can't do accents. I'm actually uh, enjoying yes. it a little bit. I, I like your version of it more than I like the movie. And so you know, Mrs. Doubtfire brings her up, and she and like as they're doing this, uh, Daniel is getting out of the Mrs. Doubtfire attire and just literally making as many puns. And this is another yes. moment I don't know if. Uh, this was Robin Williams riffing as he is literally just ripping off all of this like older woman skin fat suit and like body things right. like this is this is kind of like a weird and it's not like <laughs> because of that because he's making all of these jokes and there's so many puns like yes. so many tons like rapid fire it's just ooh, and then he makes a Norman Bates reference yeah and it's just like god fucking damn it yeah. <laughs> like, yeah everything i mean the mm-hmm. the the thing about that moment that i i did laugh at was after he gets that stuff off and she wants tea or something because it's oh yes <laughs> and so but she wants like mrs doubtfire to make her some tea so <laughs> he tries to get it all back on but then the mask falls out the window and is run over by a garbage truck <laughs> so his solution mm-hmm. to this is to go to the kitchen um without her seeing him do that and then uh, stick his face into a cream pie and then like <laughs> c- pop up and uh, Hello! And have... exactly yep. <laughs> yes we all mm-hmm. we all remember that from the previews yes and uh, <laughs> and that's the solution and I was like well I don't like the messaging of this movie but as somebody who has been in tight spots before <laughs> I've never dipped my face into a cream pie but I could certainly see me doing something equally as stupid I, that was going to be my follow up question was <laughs> 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 have i ever dipped my face into a cream pie yes have you ever like you know you mentioned being in like these type of situations yeah, well, okay, so it's like that yeah, situation exactly oh, oh okay <laughs> i mean like you know i don't know you mean you weren't desperately trying to see your children after your wife withheld them after the divorce <laughs> and so you had to create an older woman persona in order to no, do so like you forget an assignment <laughs> in school so you dip your face into a cream pie <laughs> Oh, see, I thought you were going to say, so you invent a female persona who is older than you and then 
convince your gay brothers to create a, a fat suit for you so that you can further deceive your teacher. Yes, okay, nope, let sorry. Me be, yeah. Let me be very clear about this. Never do that. <laughs> never do that. That little, you know, The dipping of the face into the cream pie, maybe one thing. Doing it for gender <laughs> reasons, not good. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I needed to say from this. Oh, fuck. The reveal. Yeah. When the sun... Oh. When the sun walks in. Honestly, that's what that's literally the last note I made because that's yeah. the moment I stopped taking notes. Yeah. Um, so, and I... And, you know, when it was happening, as it was about to happen, I was like, oh, I do remember this. Yeah. I did too. And it was just like, ooh. It's all painful. of it it was super painful i mean and, and that scene feels to me like the apex of all of the movies bathroom scenes and uh, and they're they're certainly trying to play it for laughs and they're certainly trying to to make it seem so tense because you know what are people gonna think and mm. um but knowing today how many quote unquote bathroom bills are on the floors of state senates all over the country. Uh, and and how how that space is policed uh, mm-hmm. wrongly by transphobic legislators is uh, it makes that moment it just destroys me. Yeah. Uh, so that's the point that the movie completely lost me. Yeah. Um and I just like I literally got out of bed and just turned on the messenger and started playing that and looked to make sure there was nothing else that I needed to see. It was like, oh yeah, okay, remember this is all standard fare. Yep. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I just the 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 only thing I could say about that move about that specific part uh, that's not. Uh, going to just make me depressed is the urine looks really realistic. <laughs> I guess it was really yellow. Mm. Like usually, I feel like they just have a water bottle or something. <laughs> but... Well, it, I think it also says that uh, Robin Williams really needed to drink more water. <laughs> yeah, I but... think you're right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I do not care what genitalia you have. Just please remain hydrated. It's important. <laughs> that is none of our business, but it is our business that you stay hydrated. Folks. Yes, exactly. Um... <laughs> exactly. Um, the, but but what I think is interesting and what's really important about what you're saying and and how I'm feeling too is is mm. there. Are moments in this movie like that where if you are anyone under the gigantic transgender umbrella um and you see those moments like they are genuinely heartbreaking like they're just on a level that i think is really hard to explain to maybe somebody who hasn't like been there um it's it's that um it's another moment where uh they're at the pool uh, with Pierce Brosnan and mm. um, Mrs. Doubtfire is sitting at the bar. And of course, because it's Robin Williams under there, um, he can't resist looking at the pretty girl who comes to the bar. And of course, through the Mrs. Doubtfire makeup, stares at her. And mm-hmm. um, when she orders a drink, Robin Williams in a masculine his his masculine voice says you know i'll i'll get it meaning i'll get her drink and the way Mm -hmm. she looks at him just such disgust just like oh it's okay like that's just 
Oh my god. Not so. to mention he is hitting on women yes. again dressed as a a older British woman, but he is hitting on women while actively trying to stop his ex-wife from getting into any kind of a relationship with Pierce Brosnan. Incredibly true. Very good point. And it's just like man, fuck you. Yes. Like yes. I get that like and this is part of and it's tough because you don't actually see, like, you don't see them actively hate one another, but at the same time, you don't really kind of see why they clicked as characters who would have been in a relationship. Yeah. And because of that, like, her wanting to move on is healthy, and him doing all of this is so unfathomably unhealthy, including, but not limited to, him trying to sabotage this other relationship, which there's a certain base feeling, I think, that the producers, writers were trying to go for, that it's like, oh, you know, if it was your ex, regardless of how you feel, mm -hmm. you're going to know that you feel like you don't want them to see anybody else. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, man. Yeah. Like, and I know that I keep using that word. I don't mean to use that word. For, it's just like, that's one of my go-to, like, like, oof. Yeah. Yeah, like, whew. It's, it's yeah. very pro-stalking in that sense. Like, it's very pro, yeah. like, do whatever you can do. Um, because it's it all is in service of his masculinity. Like, and I think it, it this movie thinks of masculinity as a very specific thing. It's being a father mm -hmm. of a family that is uh, heterosexual, uh, cisgender, um but and so whatever you do to serve that is fine um mm -hmm. and it's it's just obsessive i'm i just i just want to be like okay who hurt whoever made this once upon a time <laughs> and made you feel this way like mm -hmm. it's it's really bad um do you think that because the author of this book is British and I don't know like is it fair to say that transgender rights and recognition socially in in the UK is that are they are they more regressive than here or there I mean so a there is a, a huge tradition of uh, man in dress being a, a source of comedy and there's like I think that there is a lot more nuance, especially in a British sense, mm -hmm. to that. But at the same time, it is still absolutely a joke. Yeah. Uh, but that said, also, right now, there's a, a podcast that I listen to called What the Trans. Mm -hmm. And they are primarily based in Britain. And so they talk with a lot of other uh, trans folk and intersex folk and non-binary folk uh, about sort of the, the state of... Uh, basically transphobia in the uk and yeah there's there's a lot more virulent mm. transphobia and like a lot more willingness to accept turfy logic yeah. in a lot of their uh like a lot of their their government and a lot of the things that i've been hearing so it definitely is a thing at the same time i'm not from that culture i'm just right. listening to a lot of other folks that are uh covering it yeah. so yeah, I, I think that's that's why I mention it, just because in some of the non-binary groups that I'm in on Facebook, you know, I see people who are from the UK commenting on, on others who, like, are in the US and getting their driver's license to say, you know, the gender is X. And mm. people in the UK saying, oh, you know, I, I wish I could do that. Like, I wish, you know, we 
had those kinds of legislative um, shifts that would allow me to to do something like that. And and so it makes me think like, okay, well, you know, as a as a whole, where is the the kind of cultural moment there? Um, but now mm. I can't even really remember why I brought that up, except to say, like, I'm <laughs> I'm thinking about just sort of where this where this text ultimately came from and and of course that is also not to say like oh you know we're we're just so so great and so progressive in our own country that's not that's not true i mean it's just i I wonder what the struggle looks like like i think the the issues are different but the issues are still being had and it's just a matter of like what flavor of discrimination are we feeling (laughs) as far as anti-transness yeah um yeah if, uh, and honestly, all the flavors are bad. Yes, uh, <laughs> terrible. They are. They are all like, like the scene in which Pierce Brosnan is choking on the shrimp, and transphobia <laughs> is the shrimp that is choking all of us. I brought <laughs> it back. Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> <laughs> well, since since we are talking about adaptations as well, yeah. uh, I know I mentioned that uh, this, and part of the reason that we're doing this now is because. Mrs. Doubtfire is going to open, I believe, for previews in March on Broadway. Yes. yes. And I... it was... Oh, go on. <laughs> no, I was going to say, as as I was watching the movie and thinking about that production, I figured mm-hmm. out exactly how to fix that musical. Like, it occurred to me, like, what, mm. like what the musical could do in order to, in order to, to be a good Mrs. Doubtfire musical. What you need to do... Mm is you need to take the script as it is and you need to not do that script at all and just do something else literally anything yeah would be my yeah that's my fix so during its development uh there were a number of showings of the musical that people got to see uh i believe it was in seattle at least the seattle times covered it because they asked a number of trans and non-binary folk to talk about their impressions of it and they i will link in the description where to find this but again that's through the seattle times and all of them had very like fairly positive memories of mrs doubtfire and optimism going in to see the show and ooh, the reviews are not not happy um yeah. <laughs> Uh, so there are some, like, probably my favorite was just a very simple answer of why here, why now? Easy Mm -hmm. money. Mm, My reaction, my reaction was watching these moments and thinking, wait, who was in the room when that choice was made? Yep. And now when it goes in, and even from this moment, when it was in Seattle again, I got to double check that, but, uh, in the moments that these folks were able to watch the, that current production of it there was a chance that a lot of changes have been made um even from previews when previews happen that's the point of previews is it is supposed to be as close to done as possible and then if there are major things that need to happen they can tweak it a little Mm -hmm. so my hope for it is they put it up and there are some major 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 things the other thing that they can do that is an easy fix even though this is different from what you had mentioned which is just scrap the whole project and i agree with that would be throw in a trans person that literally just follows him around and says no this is bad stop that yeah this is garbage an entire <laughs> chorus of trans people yes uh, it would be great 
Uh, a chorus of trans people just saying why this is bad and this is not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, like, mm-hmm. recasting all of the other, like, the other characters, the the sort of satellite characters in the movie as, as trans people would be great. So, mm-hmm. like, if at that bar, the person who, like, shoots down Mrs. Doubtfire's offer of a drink mm-hmm. is trans, I think mm-hmm. that could actually be, like, no, we as a community totally reject you and what you're doing with this we will not take a drink from you you need to like stop disrespecting who we are yeah no and uh, you know like that's the thing obviously you and i both work in theater so we don't necessarily want to like you know there are real people that have put time and effort and money behind a production and there's always a chance that we could work with one of them in the future but i want to acknowledge that it's like all right this is maybe not the best idea and I am still hopeful, much like I was walking into the movie, I am hopeful that when it goes up and it does its thing, that it will have done the work. Yeah. But I don't know if it will. I I just think there's so much work to do because it's like Mm -hmm. you have to address the transphobia, but I think you also have to address its portrayal of women. And I think Mm -hmm. you have to address the racist caricatures that Robin Williams does at times. And I think you have to address the way it presents a homosexual couple. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just feel like once you've addressed all of those things, you have something that's no longer Mrs. Doubtfire, which I say, awesome. But like then it's just like, why don't you just do a play written by a trans person, you know, yeah. or, and, and like it'll be better. Um, I and admittedly, I, I haven't Googled who did the, the book, the lyrics and the, the no, music for it. But from what I understand and from what I've been hearing, uh, they're assumed to be cis men. Okay. I could yeah. be wrong. I'll, I'll double check that right now as we're talking. But yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I do think like on the issue of, of work, I think work mm-hmm. can be done. And I think the, I think work uh, needs to be done. I, I think that um, the musical Heather's is actually kind of a good example mm. of that because, and it's a it's a much different issue. But I think when I when I saw the movie Heather's, which was much much later in my life, I was struggling with the sort of blow up the school aspect of it because mm. I grew up in the era of Columbine, and then since then, and mm. have seen you know these school shootings happen in the news and and all of that, and it's it just that school violence did not feel like something thing that could be funny to me anymore Mm. um and i feel like when the musical came out it actually understood that and it understood that our society has shifted in ways that like a key punchline of this movie cannot be like oh you know we'll blow up the school or whatever um it's it has to be something that actually um shows that we're we're in a different place and i feel like that musical actually did um Mm. so I, i i that that, of course, is a different issue than a transphobic text, but um, I think it does sort of suggest, like, okay, think realistically about the material you have and the society you're putting it into. Yeah. So I'm looking at who wrote the book, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I don't know enough about John O'Farrell. Uh, see, a British author and comedy scriptwriter. Uh, okay and Carrie Kirkpatrick. Uh, And again, like we can always be wrong, but at the same time, none of them openly ID as trans or Mm non-binary. And it is a thing where unfortunately, uh, you kind of 
have to if you're going to write about these things and or at the very least I don't want to commit to that I don't want to commit to you have to be in order to write about but at the same time it is all men on this team and I it oh man they're all white men so I just I don't you have a lot more working against you in order for me to really trust yeah i think is what i think that's more of what it is is do i trust you to do the work and until i see the work i won't know but immediately i'm just like okay do okay. we know how do we know how tootsie did um because i mean like, i guess my question the reason hmm. i asked that is because like these people who are pushing mrs doubtfire are they just like, oh, well, you know, Tootsie did super well, and I don't know if it has, but like, mm. if it has, like, oh, Tootsie did super well. So clearly, like, there's just a minority of people who don't like this humor, and most people mm. do, and they're fine with it. So we'll just do it and mm. make a buck off it or whatever. Um, or I mean, is that not mm. the case? Well, I, I will say uh, the article that I saw, which is admittedly from Variety, okay. uh, so you can take take that or leave that, but they mentioned specifically. Uh, the Tootsie musical, based on the 1982 film, was critically acclaimed, but didn't hold up at the box office. Mm. So again, that's not a specific answer in the my source is Variety, so <laughs> I, do, I don't know how well <laughs> that holds up. But yeah, like right. that is that is a take, and honestly, it did not last super long. Even though it won, like I know that the yeah. the main character who played. Tootsie, I didn't see it. Uh, I don't know the name, but right. the who yeah, played the, the Tootsie person uh, <laughs> is an actor that I really enjoyed. Oh. So it is one of those things where I'm, I'm very happy that he won a Tony, but I'm very sad he won a Tony for that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I hear that. So, um, well, now that we now that we've effectively burned all of our bridges in the yeah. musical theater community, <laughs> that's it. We're uh, we've got a fiction collection coming out next week, uh, <laughs> some poetry, uh, <laughs> and uh, maybe a comic. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh let's get to the answers uh let's get to the questions rather yeah first off is it transphobic now you can answer this uh by making a noise you can put it on a one to ten scale uh however you want to describe it just is mrs doubtfire transphobic did that come through? Because that was my fart gun. I have a fart gun. And my fart gun just means yes, emphatically yes, it's transphobic. Absolutely. Um, it's the like, fart gun definitely came through on my end. Good. So. Excellent. Then we'll get a nice fart sound effect when I'm talking about this movie. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it is transphobic to its bones. Yeah. Uh, my answer is uh, I'm going to give it a, about an 8, uh, 8 out of 10, and say that, yeah, more than I thought it would be, more than I remembered. I misremember this movie as being better than this. Yeah. Whew, yeah. Uh, and was it enjoyable? I mean, I've pretty much already answered that, but uh, <laughs> feel free to express that how you want. Uh, but I have only one fart gun to give. Uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't enjoyable at all. It, mm. It's... it's um, it was really sad, actually. And I mean, it, it, the roller coaster was from just like, 
oh, I don't like this, to like, this is actually making me think of things I don't want to think about, to, um, to also a feeling which you expressed, which was, I really am struggling with my love of this, which I also had. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be clear, like, I, I went into it with the exact same settings that you did, which was just like, oh, this is a thing I have these fond memories of. Um, and now it is this just total monster. Um, and I, I am, I am struggling with that. I, I, the only thing I can say, I can say, I can say, say with was, and I'm sure this is what I connected with as a kid, uh, which was that, um, the end note of like the family will come back together and there's many types of families and uh, they can all operate differently, which is something that Robin Williams' character says, although it doesn't seem to be something the movie actually believes. Um, it, that probably made me feel good growing up in a household where my parents clearly did not get along. Yeah, I, I hear that, and I do applaud it for not having the two of them get back together, but at the same time, fuck yes, this movie. Fuck this movie. <sighs> No, any anyone but them. Like, yeah. and then the whole like he yells at her, like, "Oh, and you let the judge do that to me?" And it's just like, "Yeah, fucker." Yeah. Hell yeah, fucker! I would have done that too. Right. Like, ah. Uh, and if you. And then I wouldn't have hired you. Yeah. <laughs> because like any positive messaging that one might be able to dig out of this movie is poisoned by so much of it including the fact that like it is totally okay and even funny to poison the person your ex-wife is dating so long as you're drunk when you do it and you know the heimlich well enough yeah which also I know that they stated in the beginning, like, oh, you know, like, she's going through the resume. Oh, you know, right. uh, like, the et cetera, et cetera. And, like, of course, they're doing that as a way to plant for later when he does do that. That Like, you know, he knows the Heimlich and he knows all these, like, CPR. But does he? <laughs> Dude's a voice actor. Like, I'm not saying voice actors can't. And honestly, actors of all types, like, I know how to do CPR. I know how to do the Heimlich. But it's just, like... Do we? I, I have no problems believing that actors are actually very good at, at CPR and, and maybe anything sort of medical. Mm-hmm. I have problems believing that this guy, who we're told is a fuck up in like every other way, knows that. Like he was like, you know what? I haven't paid my taxes in 20 years, but I'm going to that first aid course. Like, I, I don't get it. <laughs> hmm. Oh, okay. I think we've talked about everything we need to talk about with this movie i think you're right so now that we've burned all of our professional <laughs> cred we have musical each other. theater folks <laughs> we'll figure it out we still have each other trans people will, will trans and non-binary folk will lift each other yes. up when all the musical writers say that they won't do musicals with them we'll make our own music yeah. it'll be beautiful music it'll have fart guns totally um, so <laughs> now that we've done that and that said hey if you want to prove us wrong, the best way is to give Jonathan and I a ticket to the previews so that we can come see this thing. And we will look at it honestly. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> uh, so tell people how to find you if you want them to. Are you plugging anything? Yeah. yeah let so us you know. You can do a few things. Um, you can find me on Facebook, uh, just Jonathan Alexandrados. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at J Alexan, uh, J A L. 
E-X-A-N. And if you would like to listen to my voice and also Ashley's voice a little more, uh, you can listen (laughs) to my podcast, My Plastic Life, where I interview my action figures. And Ashley is one of those. Um, That's anywhere you get your podcasts. Awesome. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Is It Transphobic. Uh, you can look for us on the web at uh, tiny dot URL. I don't know how it works, but slash Is It Transphobic. You just find <laughs> us. Uh, for me, I am. We just recorded the last ring on the Parsnip Ship, so that should be coming out in March. That you can listen to on the Parsnip Ship. Also, if you are a queer playwright, uh, we're going to be advertising this on the podcast a little bit. But Parsnip Ship just opened up their submissions for next season, and they are doing exclusively queer uh, works. So it's work by queer authors or queer playwrights, I should specify, uh, as well as queer musicians. So if you happen to be a queer playwright or musician, get in touch with the Parsnip Ship. We'll have more info later. Um, what else am I doing? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Lucretia Deer 4 at L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A-D-E-A-R, then the number four. And also listen to the Right to Play podcast. It's a play podcast that I do with Gina Femia, who is my favorite playwright of all time. Uh, and we just kind of shoot the shit and talk about playwriting. Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com.